All right, and we're back for another episode of the Pineapple Podcast. I am very excited today because one, we got Vanessa Blackman back on. We Ooh. found her. So she's back. Um, for Hello, us. everyone. So she's back on the Pineapple Podcast. And today's guest um, is Dr. Carissa Baker. So I'm so excited to have her on um, to speak about the new theme, Parking Attracts and Management program, but also to learn a little bit more about her story, any of the advice um, uh, that she can give uh, to us and the listeners that you guys are going to be um, hearing this um, is going to be a great story. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Dr. Baker. How are you doing today? Oh, I'm I'm doing well and so excited to be here and to talk to you all and the students, of course. Absolutely. And we, we're not having visual yet, everyone, but if you did see the visual, we're in a podcast studio now, thanks to the Rosen um, IT team. So special shout out to them today. Um, so we'll get, you know, we'll do a, a, a second um, a part two with Dr. Baker and all our guests in the podcast studio so we can get some nice visuals and stuff like that. Um, but we'll go ahead and get started um, with everything. So Dr. Baker, you have the new theme park and attraction management um, management uh, degree for for our, for our undergraduate students, and we'll jump into all of those things. But can you recall your first theme park experience? Yeah, I mean that that's getting a long years away now. <laughs> I must say, but I do remember because um, it was when I had first moved to California. So I moved to California when I was six years old and ended up living there and in the Los Angeles area for about twenty years after that. Um, but we went to Knott's Berry Farm and Disneyland in the same week. And, you know, I must say that I still remember some of the experiences. I even still remember going on It's a Small World yeah. and the, the song on It's a Small World. So I guess it's been stuck in my head since six years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but I remember that that time and I remember loving it. I, I don't think I um, would have thought when I was six years old that you could do any kind of career in theme parks, but I definitely enjoyed those childhood visits. Yeah, absolutely. Vanessa, do you have do you have a I because I have a I have a funny story um, about my first theme park experience, at least the one I can remember. You got one, Vanessa? Listen, I have the worst memory. I get things <laughs> about all the time. So I'm just in awe that Dr. Baker even remembers six years old. Yeah. <laughs> so you you tell your story, Chairman. <laughs> well, mine's real quick is we went to Disney um, here in Orlando. My family from Memphis flew down. Um and we all went out to the park. It was, I felt like it was like 20 of us or whatever. So we had a great time. But at the time it was ready to go, my cousin and my aunt were like, oh, we got to get the Disney ears. And we were like, oh, OK, like, go ahead, go to one of the shops, get your Disney ears. You know, it's a rite of passage. You got to go get the Disney ears. You go out to Disney. Everyone has one at one point in time. No, they took like an additional three hours in the park. Oh. <laughs> and we were just standing. No, we had left. I was like, if y'all gonna do that, we could at least like walk around right. the park some more or whatever. Right. It took three hours. So I had to like redeem my like my Disney experience because they like exhausted that. So if they ever hear this, they'll like they're gonna get on me. But they I it took like two and a half, three hours for them to find those Disney ears. So but anywho. But um, do they still have those? Like, do you still have those Disney ears? No, I don't. And they oh. probably, and they they probably don't either. <laughs> after all after all of that feet tired and all that, 
Um, they probably don't either. Um, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so with that though, and you started to, you know, you know, you hinted at it a little bit, and we're gonna uncover, you know, all of the story um here as we talk, but let's go, let's kind of go back to the beginning of you being an undergraduate student. Um, and who were who were you as a as an undergraduate student? Were you a young Dr. Baker in the making? Did you know that that was the path or <laughs> it like, because you got your, you already got your, your, and correct me if I'm wrong or anything, but you got your undergrad in English lit, right? At Chapman. Yeah, yeah. Chapman, Chapman University. So, so what was that experience like kind of going like, how did you decide on the school you were going to? Was that just because you were in California and that was local or what was that whole process like? Right, right. So we have a few hours, right? Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's kind of funny that you asked the question in that way, because um, I think I took a path that is probably similar to many of our students, which I call the nonlinear path. Uh -huh. <laughs> so, um, so I actually started as a vocal performance major okay. and I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I was one of those high school kids who I went to a performing arts high school. I was in choir. I was in the section leader of choir. And then I applied to a, a top 10 music school in the country and I got in. Um, and then the weird thing is we find out that school and then your actual career and kind of the professional world are not the same thing. So mm. I I realized quite quickly that I was not meant to do that for a living. So it was a very competitive field. I am not at all competitive. I am much more collaborative. And I found that I also wanted something with a little bit more stability. And mm. so I had to figure out what on earth was I going to do. And so I, I did change my major. And it's actually because of working in the theme parks that I changed my major. So it's, it's again, kind of funny you ask that question because I, my very first job was Universal Studios Hollywood. So mm -hmm. when I was 17 years old, they gave me a college scholarship and a job that came along with it, which is awesome. Nice. I really enjoyed that. Um, but when I realized I wasn't going to do music as a major, I decided to move universities down to Chapman University, which happened to be really close to Disneyland. And I would say that working at Disneyland is probably what changed the trajectory of my entire life. So mm -hmm. first of all, I found out right away that I love theme parks. Yeah. So 18 years old, I'm like, this <laughs> is it. Like, I didn't think this was it. I thought music was it. And don't get me wrong. I still love music. I still perform in choirs, you mm -hmm. know, on a community level, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I loved theme parks. I was so interested in them. And then I started getting roles like I was a trainer. And then the kind of weird thing, and this is my first thing I'll tell any students listening to this, take the opportunities that come to you, if even if they're weird. Because yeah. I was offered a position in what's called documentation, which is writing training manuals for attractions trainers. So ride, ride trainers. Yeah. And wow. so this is something I didn't even know what that meant, but I'm really glad that I took it. But I also realized that I would probably have to make my writing ability stronger. And so that's why I ended up, you know, majoring in English. So it's a weird reason, Yeah. but it, it, it ended up working and Again, you never know what you're going to get with education, because as I started understanding more about literature and storytelling and kind of the way this ticked, I realized something that, you know, you are all probably thinking of, you know, Shakespeare and Jane Austen and Edgar Allan Poe or whatever, when you think literature. But I started realizing at as an undergrad, 
that theme parks are literature, that they're telling stories, that they're conveying these narrative messages to guests. And I just completely mm. fell in love. So while other students were sitting in class writing about Charles Dickens, I was <laughs> writing about the Fantasmic show as literature. Oh, yeah. It, it, I, I just loved it. And so I, I kept going with that as well um, through grad school. But um, I will say that as an undergrad, I, I loved writing. I loved reading. That probably makes sense with my major. Yeah. I loved talking about theme parks. So nothing has changed there. But I must confess that I really didn't like math. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah. so we I have a lot in common with our students. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. We won't talk about college algebra. Because um, I, I want to keep this safe for work. Yeah. Yes, yes of course. <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, I, I um when I do orientation, um, and students have that same sentiment of like, oh, I'm, I, I really don't want to do math. And I'm like, look, guys, y'all are like 10 times smarter than I ever was, first <laughs> off. And I tell them I failed math. I failed a math class at least once every semester that I took. I just, I was not good at math. Um, and then I told my, I was like, oh, I got my master's degree now. I'm like, look, I've redeemed myself, but <laughs> math is a struggle and you have to have certain things in place to kind of help you along um you know with that but no I, I can definitely attest to the the um not liking math so much like you said let's uh you know, let's, yeah <laughs> let the struggle is real on that um but no that's a that's I mean that's that's a great story of you know how you got um you know the you said it was documentation right yeah, yeah. So essentially writing training manuals that yeah. the trainers would train the ride attendees on. Yeah. So so do you find and this is kind of off uh, uh, off off branch question question here, but do you find sometimes that when students are looking to go into a certain area of theme park theme parks, are they do you find that they're so they're looking at one thing and that's it? Are are they are their minds open to things like that? Because I gotta I gotta feel like that kind of got you in the door and kind of exposed you to a different area of theme parks that like I don't know if you knew that that was there prior to prior to working there, right? No, no, I I had no idea that was even a thing because uh, you don't really think about that because when you're being trained on a ride, I know that my trainers weren't standing there like with a an SOP in hand. I mean. Yeah. You know, they kind of knew that this stuff. So um, I didn't know that that was the case. And I would say for my students, I teach in theme park and attraction management. So some students come in with like a very specific goal and they mm -hmm. say, you know, I want to be um, the head of ride operations in this particular area of Universal. So some come with those very specific paths, but I found that those who are really interested in the industry, they want to kind of get that variety. They want to learn about other positions. And I would say, especially with our internships, since we require internships mm -hmm. at Rosen College, mm -hmm. students will take an internship in a department they maybe didn't know existed. And then they find that like me, their kind of whole career path has been altered by yeah. saying, wow, I didn't know I wanted to do this. And I would especially say this happens because so many of our students come wanting to be on stage. So in that, that mm -hmm. operational role, they might get that internship backstage and find out that they want a back of house role. They just didn't know those could be so interesting. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I love that. I think I find that so fascinating. To me, that's like a mindset of a, a why not? Why, why not try this? Right? Like it's not like, do, I would never even know that documentation was a title. <laughs> right? So yeah. I love that. I think, um, you know, having that open mind can really get you a long way. Right? And Yeah. And Vanessa, that. let me just say, because you because you mentioned that, um, we have one of our phenomenal alumni, um, Frank, who actually just got yes. the young alumnus um, in Frank the Hall of Fame Awards. Yes. Yeah. So his first internship was documentation, wow. writing, <laughs> um, writing training manuals and SOPs wow. or standard operating procedures for mm -hmm. Universal Beijing. And now he's the head of HR at FunSpot. Yes. So you kind wow. of never know, even if you don't end up in that department, if you take that internship, you might utilize those skills later in your career. Mm, absolutely. absolutely. That's great. <laughs> so kind of continuing on um, and navigate. So how, what, what challenges did you face, you know, kind of going through, um, you know, your academic journey that you could share with students? Yeah, um, I would, if you don't mind, I'm going to share three because they all three yeah. popped on the yeah. top of my head. So the first one being math, um, I kind of joke about math a lot, but I, I failed several times. And um, mm -hmm. for me, this was, you know, gave me a lot of low self-confidence because I was, you know, an honor roll student. I did love school. You mm -hmm. know, I was always trying to get on the dean's list every year and that mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, and, you know, I had scholarships and things like that. So for me, continuously failing the same class was bad, but I realized very quickly that the problem was my attitude. Mm -hmm. And so I, I said, so, oh, I hate this class. You know what? I think it's the teacher's fault. And you know what? Actually, it's the university's fault. I shouldn't have to take this class because I'm not going to use it when I am in my career, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But then when I shifted my attitude to this mm -hmm. is a roadblock in my life, I, I need to get past the roadblock. Yeah. Then I, I said, you know what I need? I actually need tutoring. So I need to go to math tutoring. I need to actually go to class, yeah. which is a really important <laughs> step. And you know, what's funny when I finally shifted the attitude, got the tutor, did all of my homework, went to class. I got a B. Wow. And you know what? I finally, yeah. I finally passed it. So I would say that. And then related to so low self-confidence, I was a first generation and college student. So I came from a background where um, not only did my family not not have college experience, but I didn't even have any friends who had gone to, to college. So mm -hmm. I definitely kind of realized that, you know, I felt a little bit of out of place and mm -hmm. had a bit of that imposter syndrome. I'm sure some of our students have heard of that before. Um, mm -hmm. And for that, it was just kind of a thing where I had to, you know, master um, my, my self-confidence by just doing it like one step at a time, like, oh, I did really well in this. Now, now let me try something else. Mm -hmm. um, and then the the final challenge that I remember very well that I think most of our students are going through is that I was working full time. And so I, I was kind of crazy in undergrad because I had 40 hours a week at Disneyland, 20 hours a week in my work study job. And then I was usually taking about five classes per term. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of felt sometimes that I wasn't that involved on campus. And, you know, mm -hmm. I kind of think I, I wish I could have been more involved on campus. So I realized that okay, how can I do this? I, I found the things that were happening on campus during those days that I was on campus. So I couldn't do everything. You know, I couldn't necessarily do anything at night because that's when I was working. Mm -hmm. um, but I tried my my best to get involved with the things that I could so that I could still kind of experience that college life. 
Nice. And that I'm fine. Now, I, now you're answering questions that I have at the end, um, <laughs> the things that you've done um, in your professional career uh, since you've been here. And we'll get to that. And you guys aren't watching, but the lights just went off and I'm, I'm like, OK, what's going on? OK, but anyway. <laughs> I know the motion sensor. So, okay. So, and I know Vanessa will love this question um, because it deals with mentorship. So, but was there any mentorship that you gained in your undergrad um, and your undergrad career? And what was like the transformative power that that provided for you, whether that was academically, whether that was while you're working at Disney and kind of like, kind of just really starting to really fall in love with the theme park industry like was there any moment um that that you could that you could speak to on that yeah so that that is a great question I would say that especially because you know for a while I had the imposter syndrome and you know I was first gen in college so I didn't know if I was in the right place that kind of stuff um, one of the things I had to be open to was the feedback of others. And I can say that I have been exceptionally lucky that everything from undergrad to grad school to even now today in my my career at Rosen College, I've always had those people who kind of stood by my side. And the best mentors, I think, were the ones that gave me critical feedback when I needed it. Mm-hmm. And then the big ones are the ones who opened up the doors that I didn't know were there. And so the the manager mm-hmm. at Disney who said, you know, I think you'd be great at this. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, I think you should apply for this opportunity. Um, that's kind of the first person who gave me that new perspective, I would say, of, you mm-hmm. know, what I should do and all the way to and I just got to put in a shout out in case he ever hears mm-hmm. this to Dr. Duncan Dixon, who is a long term oh. Professor yeah. at Rosen College, who saw something in me that I never saw that I could be a professor, like mm-hmm. at a university teaching <laughs> theme park management. Yeah. That is not, I mean, I didn't know that was a job either. Yeah. Right? So, so those are the people who yeah. they push you. And I think the most important is that transformative power of mentorship, as you said, is about seeing the person before they see themselves Mm -hmm. and then look at you a professor and now an underwriter of one of our degrees yeah (laughs) (laughs) wow amazing is that (laughs) and there's that lit coming back again right Mm -hmm. yeah see i never knew that's what i would be writing as a proposal (laughs) to the state of florida right Wow. wow so i love it so yeah, so let's kind of jump into the theme park industry and, and kind of build up to um, the degree that we just started here in the fall. Um, so with with COVID, right, like that was a huge hit for the hospitality industry, theme parks, everything. Obviously, we all know what was going on during the pandemic of everything just being shut down. But I just recently read on the Florida Politics article that theme parks are rebounding quite well. Um, what do you think has attributed to that? Was that just like people just like, I, I'm just going to go and, and we'll figure it all out together? Or what do you think were some contributing factors to theme parks um, and for all intents and purposes, hospitality is being able to bounce back and be resilient? Yeah, that that's a great question. Obviously, COVID was a terrible period for the industry. And unlike certain businesses, 
Um, most theme parks had to close completely. Yeah. Um, and if you look at it, it was really sporadic in terms of opening. So for just an example, the the parks that I used to work at in California were closed for more than a year. Yeah. Um, so that's not something that we had in Florida. We opened up after several months, but uh, this was really hard and tanking attendance, tanking revenues, a lot of people losing their jobs. So it was it was a bad period. But I think that during that time, especially during the lockdown, um, which a lot of states and countries experienced even more than Florida, obviously, um, that there kind of um, became a pent up demand, I would say, mm. where people said, you know what, I can watch a movie on my couch, I can play a video game on my couch, I can read a book on my couch. Um, but number one, I am really sick of sitting on my couch. Yeah. So that mm -hmm. that's a big deal. But number two, I don't think and this might just be my bias speaking but i don't think you can replicate the theme park in the home i think mm -hmm. that you know what you do at a theme park watching live shows going on rides watching fireworks whatever all of these things are things that are much better in person yeah. and then they're also very communal so these mm -hmm. are things you're doing with all these other people and i think we we got tired of not seeing other people not connecting mm -hmm. not being able to do those live experiences so i i really think that's one of the core reasons um, but in a very strange twist of fate, I can also say that there was a bit of a positive with the pandemic, which is that several, um, I should say several people, a lot of people ended up leaving the industry, which also kind of provided this gap that is now helping our students because we now mm -hmm. need these these great leaders for the future. So mm -hmm. um, it was a bad period, but but it did show, I think, everybody how much people love the theme park industry. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so with, with that, like, so let's talk about the development of our theme park and attraction management um, bachelor's degree that we have. Like, when was the seed planted? When did you know that this could be a real thing? Um, and just what was the development process of getting this whole degree off the ground? Because we had the certificate right prior to the the bachelor's degree going on but I mean like as soon as anyone heard that there was a, a, a some hope of inkling of hope of this kind of getting off the ground like there was just instant excitement about this degree program so can you take us through those that that process yeah so um actually Rosen College has offered coursework in mm -hmm. theme parks since 2001 so we already had a track yeah. of the hospitality management degree um, and then we had the certificate. So we launched the certificate in around COVID time, essentially. Um, and it's interesting because it was actually the launch of the certificate where we started getting more complaints from students. So it was really student demand that drove the desire. And they just kept saying, you know, there's not enough theme park classes. Mm -hmm. They don't drill down far enough. And um, um, I also am the advisor for the Future Theme Park Leaders Association. So this is a very active student group. Mm -hmm. um, at, at Rosen College, and they are just constantly going, you know, we need more stuff. Um, they're always bringing in alumni who who were also in FTPLA, who also went to Rosen College, who are now in the industry, who are saying, you know, we, we need more, but we also, because mm -hmm. of the pandemic and other factors, um, we need more leaders in the industry. So it was kind of a simultaneous need between both uh, Rosen College, the student demand, and then, and then the industry. Um, so it was a two-year process um, mm -hmm. to go through, and we just wanted to make sure that the degree is what the industry wanted, but also had the the rigor that's required by UCF and the state of Florida. So we ended up in those two years 
talking to hundreds of students, um, lots of alumni, lots of faculty, lots of staff, lots of industry leaders from operators all around the country. We wanted to make sure it was really representative of the industry that it is serving. Um, so it it was actually a pretty, it was long. There was a lot of paperwork, that kind of yeah. thing, but it was also really enlightening because had we not done all of those kind of sessions where we're seeking feedback, we wouldn't have some of the classes that we came up with. So just an example, um, we had never offered a project management course. And we don't even necessarily think about that as the the key domain of hospitality, even though it's in hospitality. Yeah. Um, but the industry said, you don't have project management. Mm. Our alumni, and one of our alumni, he's phenomenal. He graduated from Rosen College. And he said, where's the project management course? Because I'm now a project manager at Universal and I didn't get that information. And so it's just wow. that kind of feedback process that helped us generate what we think is a very current um, degree that's actually kind of meeting the needs of, of the community right now. Wow. No, that, that's amazing that, well, for one, you listen to the students and, you know, kind of cultivated all those questions, concerns, were able to put out a degree program that obviously we need, especially in Orlando, we're, you know, kind of the center of everything as far as theme parks are concerned, um, but also just getting within the industry and understanding what they need as an industry to keep thriving and keep growing. And I'm pretty sure that they'll always be continued conversations, continued renovations to um, to coursework and curriculum to kind of match and make sure that we are giving out the best education, the best curriculum possible to our students. We are the number one hospitality program in the country for a reason. And I think what you, you know, spoke about kind of attests to all of that. Um, so that's great. So what can what can students expect? And I think you probably already explained it a little bit, but what, what are students are, what are they um, going to get out of this experience of this degree, the curriculum, things of that nature? Like, because this is the first semester that, you know, so I'm pretty sure you're tracking these students very, very closely um, and their experiences and, and getting feedback and data from that. So what are you expecting for those students to give? And what are you hearing so far as students are taking the classes? Yeah, definitely. So um, first of all, I will say, so I've been, this is my 16th year teaching, so I've been doing it a while, mm -hmm. um, but I, I am telling you right now that my introduction to theme park and attraction management, this is the first semester of the first course in yeah. the first semester <laughs> of our degree. So um, they are the most passionate students I mm -hmm. think that I've, I've had. And I've always, you know, thought the students were phenomenal at Rosen. I mean, absolutely yeah. the best of any place I've ever taught. But these students are just even going above and beyond that. They're so passionate about the industry. And I think it's so important that we we made it a point to kind of figure out what were the core themes in the theme park industry that we needed to meet. So of course we needed to do hospitality. That's our business. We also had to do management. You know, the, this is a global industry. So you have to understand the business aspects. But then we also came out with these themes of creativity and technology, because we realized that theme parks were super complex, right? They're design spaces, but then they're also engineered kind of science environments. So we put all those themes in. Well, now I have this very first group of students 
and the different types of careers they want is actually kind of amazing. So we have some who want to be project managers, some who want to be um, in creative design and development, some who want to be on stage operations, some who want to be, you know, backstage kind of development and strategy professionals. So they have so many different mm -hmm. potential career choices. So I'm, I'm just really excited to see where they're all going to end up. And one thing I could say is particularly exciting about our um, degree and kind of what they can expect is, I don't know if anyone's looked at a map who's listening to this, <laughs> um, but we are right across the street from Universal's new theme park, Epic Universe, which is yeah. expected to open in 2025 and just the amount of kind of internships we're already starting to see from there. Um, so that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be a lot of great other opportunities. We have had several alumni, for instance, who have opened theme parks abroad and in, in mm -hmm. um, several different countries. But it is pretty amazing that a brand new theme park is opening across the street right after the launch of this degree. Like strategically, yeah. this was great timing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Opportunities are endless. Absolutely. Um, so what are what are some of the opportunities? And I guess we'll kind of keep up that theme that you've seen provided. I think you spoke of um, one of the alumni um, uh, earlier, but what are some of the what are some of the opportunities within the students getting the certificate, the theme park and attraction management certificate? Um, what are some of the opportunities for the students that are going to be the kind of really the first cohort of students getting this degree? Um, what what some what what are some that you're expecting? What are some that you've seen? Um, and kind of give that you know kind of give that um, that insight. Yeah, great question. I'll start with the certificate just because we have had several years now of of people with a certificate. So the certificate in theme park and attraction management is really meant for somebody who's going to UCF, but they're not in this major. Obviously, that wouldn't make any sense. Um, but what we've seen is especially, and I've had several students who are in FTPLA who are engineering majors. Mm -hmm. And so what they found is that, and we've seen this before in, in, especially in academia where people get in silos, like they kind of stay in their one spot, but the theme park industry doesn't work that way. It's extremely interdisciplinary. So somebody who's designing a ride from the engineering perspective should still understand the guest journey, should still understand um, consumer behavior and the kinds of um, storytelling and theming and experience mm -hmm. that a, a guest is going to want. So what we've seen several of our students do who are design majors or engineering majors. So they still want to get into the theme park industry, but they don't want to be in those operational management roles. They come and they take that certificate. So they kind of get a, a better kind of grasp, I think, of the operations, because in the end, all of these things kind of have to coexist together. So um, I have seen some really good things from people who are getting that certificate. Yeah. Um, we've even had business majors who say, well, I want to be a business executive, but I still really want to understand the theme park business more. And several of those students have already gone on to get getting some pretty cool jobs, um, including one who is an engineer um, who is, you know, just about to graduate. And because he had this theme park and attraction management certificate, he was able to get a job right away within Universal for an internship. The internship was great. He was so good at the job that now he's actually um, like servicing the animatronics in the attractions. Um, which is just what a, a cool job. Again, maybe not something you would have thought of. And 
I think with our theme park degree, they're going to get even more depth in terms of the theme park industry. So they'll have a lot of different opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, I will say that the internships have been flowing wildly yeah. recently. And I, I think anyone who goes to Rosen College in person who's listening mm -hmm. to this knows one thing about you. They want to hire you. And yeah. by they, I mean literally everyone. So, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but with theme parks specifically, we have some really phenomenal internships that we've been seeing um, with Disney, with Universal, but even with out-of-state theme parks. And I've been really excited to see, you know, Dollywood and Hershey Park and Kennywood and Six Flags Great Adventure and just a lot of these parks that maybe you wouldn't expect um, that we have students who are now doing internships there. We just had a, a student do an internship who's in my class right now at Silver Dollar City in Missouri. Nice. So, they, you know, our students have a skill set that is going to make them in high demand, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I read, um, and I think, I don't know if you did some research on this during your doctoral, but I read something about uh, theme park storytelling and why that's impactful and just your insight on that. Can you, can you, can you lead us a little bit? You don't have to get, redo your whole dissertation <laughs> <laughs> or anything like that, but what, what is theme park storytelling? Yeah. So, um, and it's so funny that you asked that now because it basically connects with that, the first few questions you asked me. So that is what I did my entire PhD in, but it's also what I research now. So I've mm -hmm. published over a dozen papers just in the last couple of years on theme park storytelling. Mm -hmm. Um, so uh, essentially we all know what storytelling is. We're, we're human beings. It's part of our culture to tell stories, to disseminate knowledge and, um, also just interesting things that happen to us during the day, you know, you go home, you tell stories, but what my research has shown is that the powerful, memorable experiences that our guests have are because of those stories. So this could be mm -hmm. anything from the guest's own personal story. So you remember to this day, Cameron, um, mm -hmm. that story about <laughs> you and your family exactly. and the ear hat and how many hours that took, but that's part of your life narrative, yep. but it connects with that, that storytelling from the theme park. And then there's kind of the other side, which is the theme park itself. You know, what kind of stories are they telling? So probably the easiest understanding of this is going to the wizarding world of Harry Potter at universal, because mm -hmm. there are people who grew up with Harry Potter, who loved Harry Potter, maybe Harry Potter is a really important um, series to them personally, mm -hmm. then they go to that theme park, they see that story completely surrounding them, and they feel like they can role play within that world, you know, oh, I can be a wizard or a witch and wear a robe mm -hmm. and have yeah. a wand and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, what my research has shown is that the most successful theme parks um, really kind of distinguish themselves from maybe the old traditional amusement park or fair um, by utilizing a lot of storytelling and, and kind of staging these stories for their guests. And this is really great um, in terms of making the experience good, but this also translates to the bottom line because great stories bring great visitation, which brings great revenue. <laughs> absolutely. No, absolutely. No, that, that, that's, that's incredible. Um, so with that, and you were talking about Harry Potter. So I saw that she created courses revolving around Disney and Harry Potter. So for one, are the well, I know that we have the art of Disney, right? That's a course. That's one of the restricted electives I saw. And Harry Potter. Now, are, are those courses going to eventually get into the curriculum or are they already there? 
with the theme park degree and just how did that, how did you, how were you able to create courses revolved around those two aspects? Because I think that's right. really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, and it definitely was really cool. I should say the Harry Potter class is still taught. So on, mm -hmm. on main campus, okay. um, the, the Disney course that I taught has not been taught on main campus. So okay. um, that hasn't been hasn't been taught. But there is that Art of Walt Disney course, like yeah. what you said is a restrictive elective. And she looks at um, animation and, and theme parks. And so all the mm -hmm. different kind of things related to Disney, which is kind of cool because as of this week, when this podcast is, is, um, being, uh, recorded, yes. <laughs> the hundred year anniversary yeah, of Disney. Absolutely. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, kind of exciting, but yeah, essentially you, that most courses that we create follow either student demand mm -hmm. or the, the needs of the industry or the needs of the discipline. And so I essentially created courses that were related to Disney as a company, um, and I kind of looked at the history of the company, um, the culture kind of surrounding the, the company, as well as the cultures that are created within the company, um, and then just kind of the influence of Disney on many aspects, so on business and on media and on the technology of theme parks and things like that. Um, I also did um, the course on Harry Potter, which looked at not just the literary aspect of Harry Potter, which is great but also just the impact that Harry Potter had. And I think some impacts people maybe didn't realize. For instance, a lot of students started becoming more um, more activists and thinking about social mm -hmm. justice and things because of that. Um, and then there's also interesting controversies surrounding both Disney and Harry Potter. So those are yeah. kind of fun things that that you can talk about. I also, by the way, created a Hamilton in American musical class, but mm -hmm. you didn't oh, wow. mention that. But that's no. very cool as well. Absolutely. It is. <laughs> for yeah. anyone who likes theater. And then just for one plug um, uh -huh. for my new theme park degree course, it is a, a new course, which is going to I think we're going to do it next year. I'm called narrative in theme park and attraction management. So it's going to completely awesome. relate to everything I just mentioned. Absolutely. Now plug, plug away. We, <laughs> we want all the G14 classified information that you can give us. Dr. <laughs> so we, we love it. <laughs> okay. So with those things and, and just how theme parks have just been ingrained in our culture, bringing so many different communities together, um, me with my story of standing outside three hours, but also <laughs> just having some of my best times at Universal, some of my best times of my life growing up and all of us within theme parks and certain rides that when we go there, we just have to get on it. Like, I don't care how old that I get, I have to go on Small World. Like when we took our children to Disney for the first time, like that was the first ride we went to. That was literally the first ride that we went to. And I'm going to be, you know, God willing, I continue to grow older. I'm going to always go on Small World because it mm -hmm. just gives me a feeling. And it tells a story, like you were saying, that I just cannot separate myself from when I go to a theme park. So, like, so with with those things, how, how do you see theme parks in the next 10 to 20 years? Like, what do you think the trajectory is or the new wave may be within theme parks within that time frame? Oh, that's a that's a good but hard question. Yeah. Um, I, I can say that we talk about in one of my classes, we think about the future of the industry. Of course, it's all speculation, but I yeah. do think there are some kind of, I guess, patterns from what we're seeing now. Um, one of them is I think we're going to continue to focus on telling those great stories and telling those stories in maybe new and different ways. Um, so a couple of kind of interesting and experimental things I've seen. So for instance, at Knott's Berry Farm, that very first uh, theme park I ever yeah. went to, 
Um, they have a thing called Ghost Town Alive, which I'm I'm kind of obsessed with. I talk a lot about it in, in class, but this is a really interesting thing because it's like an interactive, immersive theater thing um, mm. that takes place in their old ghost town land that they've had since the 1940s. So it's a very old land. Um, but it's all these actors who create this story every day. And then each guest can decide how involved they want to be. So maybe they just want to go in and um, you know, watch it. There's a hoedown at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So you could go go to a big party if you want, or you can kind of be in a medium level and you can swear in as a citizen of the town and then vote in their elections for mayor. Um, and it gets very interactive. So one of the mayoral candidates played poker with me because um, he wanted to <laughs> win my vote. And again, yeah. you know, this is like at a theme park. Um, and there's like a, a posse that kind of gets to walk through with the sheriff, you know, through this ghost town to stop a bank robbery, um, <laughs> which is good. You got to stop the bank robbery because then a wedding takes place. So it's very <laughs> cool. Wow. And but what's crazy is that if you want to go all the way in, so say you want to cosplay, you want to like dress yeah. up. You want to give yourself some kind of cowboy name or whatever, <laughs> you could do that too. So it really gives guests the opportunity to be in something interesting and different, um, mm -hmm. but then they can also choose how much they want to do. So there's not a lot in the past where we've seen of this kind of really experimental stuff, but I can see us doing more and more because things like that are working. Um, probably some of you have also seen the, um, like the Play Disney app where you can take this into um, Galaxy's Edge, so Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, the Star Wars land. Um, and they have a thing called Star Wars Datapad, where mm -hmm. you can actually kind of go in and interact with the scenery and the sets. Yeah. Um, and you can be a be a good guy or a bad guy, basically. So it's just a lot of cool things. So I see us doing that a lot. Just what are those interesting and new ways that we can add to the guest experience that maybe we hadn't thought of before? Yeah. Um, the other thing I think is important because this relates directly to students is this is becoming a more and more global industry. So even mm -hmm. markets that we hadn't necessarily thought of as getting theme parks, they're all starting to get theme parks now. So I would say by the time everybody graduates, we're going to have even more theme parks and even more places, which means even more opportunities. And this is also, again, kind of really interesting because how do you design and operate parks in different countries? So mm -hmm. I'm teaching, I'm actually doing a, a study abroad in next summer um, in Spain, which is amazing um, in, in Barcelona, where we're looking at international theme park and attraction management, because it's, it is different. You have to kind of take into account each culture mm -hmm. um, as well as your region, as well as all these things. Um, it's, it's complicated to try to figure out how do I manage a place um, that's, that's different from the one I'm normally managing. Yeah. So I'm excited. In other words, yeah. for all the things <laughs> that are happening in the theme park industry. Yeah, I, something that me and Dr. Felster were talking about in the last episode was just how, and, and this is in the in the sporting realm, but how much more fan engagement is within sports, and I think that's going to be something that kind of is, is would be my guess would be that's how theme parks is going to evolve more fan engagement, more putting you into the story, like you said with the with the Star Wars and being able to choose our you know, being the cosplay within certain, within certain theme parks and things of that nature, and just being able to actually act out and be like, do you know how much I would want to be in Star Wars myself? Like, <laughs> actually make, make it like, I, I would want to do that. Like, and I, I think 
engaging the 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 customers and the and the fans of these because these are like star wars and these are like followings that they have such strong followings um and there's such strong cultures um within our society like i think that is probably going to be something that we see more and more of as we as we grow within the industry yeah but totally correct cameron and i'll say that um, I feel like part of this is because of societal changes. We've become more participatory as a culture. And you certainly mm -hmm. see um, that students, I used to have students who would say, I'm a book person or I'm a video game person. And yeah. now the person who loves that media property, they kind of engage with all of the the different mediums that are putting that out. And I think what you said is the absolute key. You want to participate. You want to be involved. Mm -hmm. You want to be in this world. And I think designers are starting to understand that too. If If you've seen or heard of um, the world of Avatar, Pandora, mm -hmm, um, at yeah, Disney's yeah. Animal Kingdom, they they made a strategic decision to not put the main mm -hmm. characters of Avatar in there, even though obviously it's a very big movie. The sequel was yeah. a huge movie, right. um, but it's because that journey in Pandora is about you. And the designers have come out and said, we wanted this to be your journey in this land. Mm -hmm. It's about you and the experiences you go through. So you are so right on. Absolutely. So with that, like, are there any... Are there any misconceptions about hospitality and theme park that you have 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 experienced that you've been able to encounter and just kind of kind of flip the script or just give a different take on, um, you know, through, throughout your throughout your career? Yeah, so um, I would say that, uh, unfortunately, um, much like film before it and television and comic books and video games, um, there was kind of a period where the the scholarship and the research and, um, you know, kind of surrounding theme parks was not as respected as maybe some of the other more traditional art forms, I guess you would say. Um, mm -hmm. But there's now been a lot of headroom made in that. So there's now, you know, whole majors in theme parks, um, as well as um, I should say, we also have a master's in themed experience on the mm -hmm. on the main campus. So um, we now have formalized degrees on this. There's a lot of literature. There's a lot of, you know, books written, um, studies written about it. So it's definitely getting better. But in the beginning, it was kind of seen as, well, that's not really serious, yeah. um, you know, compared mm -hmm. to other fields. And then the big one, which affects our students daily, um, including sometimes talking to their parents or their family, mm -hmm. is the idea that, well, there aren't really theme park careers. There's only theme park jobs. So basically, you know, you take tickets or you operate a ride or you do food and bev or you do merch and that's what you do. But but it's not like, you know, they're low paying jobs and um, you can't ever really advance in the company. So there's a lot of negative stigmas, I would say. Um, and I hopefully our degree will help change that because there's actually, you know, hundreds of management positions in each one of the, the companies mm -hmm. and there's phenomenal positions and really deep positions and positions that, um, you know, will give you a thriving career and a lot of great opportunities. So it's, it's not all just, you know, the ticket taker yeah. at a carnival or something, which is, yeah. I, I feel like sometimes you see those stereotypes. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I've, I've been able to see since working at the Rosen College and just how 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 engaged our, our Rosen alumni is about giving back and coming back and just showing like oh I started off as a ride up but now I'm an executive at Universal Universal or Disney and this was my track to get here like yes you do have to have a starting point but the career 
that you forge for yourself if you continue to stick with it and just continue to grow within the within the industry is is pretty limitless um, and and definitely something that kind of beats those misconceptions about the hospitality industry and the theme park industry. So shout out to all our Rosen alumni that continue mm-hmm. to give back to us because they they like they're the reason that we're able to kind of, kind of continue to grow and, and evolve as a college is because they come back and give back and just kind of reaffirm what you guys are doing as faculty um, with teaching our students and, and having them prepared to go into those into those career fields. So thank you to you both faculty and to the Rose <laughs> alumni for sure. Mm-hmm. The, the alumni are especially amazing. And, and we're just very lucky that FTPLA also that student organization has a lot of alumni that, you know, ended up going into the industry and they find that their experience at Rosen College, where they were hearing from all of these um, alumni or just kind of industry professionals, really helped guide their journey. So they all feel like this kind of responsibility to, to give back, which is obviously amazing for our current students. Absolutely. And that leads right into, so Dr. Baker, you're mm-hmm. following, following right along perfectly. So, <laughs> so with FTPLA and other industry organizations, because I saw a few other ones, um, and I want to give you opportunity to 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 state those out um, of just being affiliated with those, and why are those such in, so important, and what's other organizations that are important for student success as far as being a part of organizations? Yeah, that that is such a great question. So, and I'm gonna. Um you know, say that it is really important to get um, an education, to have the knowledge. It's really important to do your internships and to get experience. But I would say the kind of third pillar for anyone to be successful at Rosen is the networking piece. Mm -hmm. And this is for someone like me, who is very much an introvert. um, The networking piece is sometimes scary, right? (laughs) Um, So one of the instant things that organizations like FTPLA, we also have um, TEA or Themed Entertainment Association. Um, There's a chapter of that on main campus. We have, um, you know, Happiest Club on Earth. We have the Innovation Academy. Those two are, are both at Rosen tons of great student organizations for music and theater. So there's a lot of good ones, um, but it gives you that instant network. So automatically you now have this network of like-minded individuals um, who are probably going to be going through those same career trajectories as you. And you never know who you're going to end up next to um, it, you know, in your next job, they might be your boss or you might yeah. be their boss in the next yeah. job. So I, I think it's so important to do that. But then the other side would also be for the theme park industry specifically, I can't speak to the other industries, and that is the idea of immersing in the industry. So I'm a part of, a, I'm very active in the IAPA organization or the International Association of Amusement Parks and Attractions. Their global <laughs> headquarters is right next to Rosen. They have their um, expo every single year, which is the largest trade show um, for the entire industry. And so, Cameron, when you're asking about what's the future going to look like, it's going to look like that. All the yeah. you know future ride systems and future mm-hmm. concepts are all on the trade show flow there, floor there. You get anywhere between 36 to, I think, one year, 44,000 attendees to this Whoa. trade show. Um, but what's really great about that organization, as well as TEA, Themed Entertainment Association, um, as well as Slice Creative Network, which I'm in with, this is a freelance attraction designers network. All of these organizations 
have sections that cater to young professionals. Mm -hmm. And so this to me is the stepping stone into the career because you, you don't automatically always get the, the full-time job where you're an executive and you know, that's your dream job. I think we can all achieve the dream job, but sometimes it takes several steps along the way. And those Mm -hmm. organizations really help you kind of understand the industry uh, on kind of a more applied level. And then again, you get that instant network, which I think is kind of essential in hospitality. It's a people business. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. And I, I, I second that because I, you know, I tell students like, don't be a student that just goes to class and go home. Like, please get involved. Like, it's so helpful because just like you are, I'm, I'm a bit introverted myself as far as getting in, and I've, and I've been better at that, you know, going and being in my professional um, career, but undergrad, I was like, ah, I, I don't know, like, um, I don't, I don't, I didn't, I didn't want to get all you know involved and stuff I just didn't feel like it was it was me and it was gonna make me feel all weird and but I wish I would have done that in my undergrad career um and that's something that I'm so happy to see at our college at the Rosen College that we kind of forced the hand a little bit like push the students out there's like it's okay you know you don't have to be the superman or superwoman of involvement but just I tell students just do one thing a month and then now after one month, now do try two things or just find a student organization or some event that you feel is beneficial to you and grow within that. Yeah, 100%. And I, I also think that that's the best way to get a more fulfilling college career as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you graduate and you say, wow, like I'm really proud of all the things that I did during that period. Absolutely. Yeah, Vanessa, go ahead. Oh, yeah. You know, you mentioned earlier um, about the misconceptions of this degree program. Mm -hmm. And I've heard you talk before, like at open house and then even yesterday with uh, the other department about how you purposely named this theme park and attraction management. So I'd love to know more about that piece, because you mentioned earlier uh, you were talking about culture, you know, cultural attractions, and I noticed that one of the classes was managing cultural attractions. I also saw history museums and digital spaces, so I find that interesting that that's included because a lot of times you think just theme parks, you know. So I'd love to know more about the other side. Yeah, absolutely. So the program has always been theme park and attraction management, like even when it was just coursework, but we mainly just talked about theme parks. Okay. So um, one thing we really wanted to do is be more representative of what we call and what IAPA calls and other industry organizations, the global attractions industry. And so that includes things like water parks. It includes museums. It includes, you know, everything from like top golf down the street, escape games, Um, You know, obviously things like um, national parks, which are some of like the earliest attractions we think of when we think of the the U.S. especially. Mm -hmm. Um, So we wanted to be more inclusive of that um, because we found that a lot of our students were going to those organizations. I'll give you a great example. One of my students, um, when she graduated from Rosen College, she's now one of the people um, at a pretty high level position at Kennedy Space Center Visitor Complex. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great attraction. And this is kind of a cool attraction that kind of blends museum, science center and theme park Mm -hmm. a bit because they even have a a ride. And so um, that, you know, that's one of the things that excites me so much about the industry is because let's say a student 
um, gets to the end and say, you know what, I, maybe I don't want to work in a theme park, but I love national parks. Mm -hmm. I just met a graduate student yesterday of ours who specializes in national parks, state parks, those kind of natural attractions. So we do have that class called Managing Natural Attractions, the class called Managing Cultural Attractions. And then our intro courses, they're all talking about, you know, just kind of how how big a scope this industry really mm -hmm. is. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Absolutely. Um, so this is where we, um, you know, kind of ask for you to partake or give out your wisdom that you <laughs> um, that you've that you've accumulated over time. But what's some of the advice that you that you that you relate to students on a consistent basis are, are what was some of that that was given to you that you still kind of pass on, um, you know, that you've that you've gotten over time? Right. So I'll, I'll do the fun ones and then I'll do a rather harsh one because okay. they were all really, really useful to me. So mm -hmm. um, first of all, like I said, it's this industry is a combination of knowledge, experience and networking. So that's yeah. when I say to students, probably every single semester, mm -hmm. um, the more harsh one, but I do think it's really important for our students is there are some companies who will take advantage of you. That's why we don't allow unpaid internships at Rosen College. Mm. Um, and there will be some companies who say, well, we just need you to put in some more hours. So forget about school this week. Um, so the the harsh thing I was told, but thank goodness somebody told me this when I was an undergrad, no matter what happens to you in life, nobody can take away your college degree, mm -hmm. but your job can easily be lost. And so if you're working at this place, and I have had several students this semester who we've been talking about this, who say, well, we don't really care about your school schedule. We just need you to come in on those two days that you you thought you had off. You have to work for a company that values you, mm -hmm. that values your development, or it's not worth it. And I know sometimes that sounds harsh to say, just quit your job, but there are a lot of other jobs waiting for you because you are in high demand as a Rosen mm -hmm. College student. So I would actually move on to a different company that's going to care about your personal development. Yeah. Um, my final advice is to love it. Okay. You're, we all know that you're not going to be a billionaire if you, if you work in this industry. But one of the things I can say is I, I love my job. I loved my job in the theme parks. I love my job now teaching about theme parks. I think I have a lot of students and alumni who love their jobs. Um, but you know, if you really hate it, it's going to be a much harder path. Yeah, absolutely. No, those are, those are all great. And I think too, like, is like you were talking about the experiences of, you know, some jobs taking advantage of our students. It's like, I, and that's one of the things I also love about our internship team of them just being able to cultivate so many different relationships um, across the span of, of hospitality, event, entertainment, theme parks, um, that we try to give our students as much resources um, and availability, like we're going to have our career fair next week. So that's going to be able to give um, students a new opportunity to find a job, find a company, um, find an industry that cares about not only them um, working for the company, but also them as students and understanding that their academics is just as important um, as them, you know, working for a company or an industry and knowing that there's going to be the investment that you give to that student is going to repay as, you know, as they move forward throughout their career. So I think that's, I think that's excellent advice. Um, so, your involvement that you've done professionally and just kind of growing out of that, I, as you said, you're introvert, um, you know, probably more, that's probably naturally who you are, you know, when you're, when you're with family and stuff like that, you're more introverted. Like, how did you 
kind of grow out of that and just be like, okay, you know what? Um, Dr. Like, let's just, let's just, let's just go to this event or let's just get a, be a part of this and let's just see what happens. Like, how did you, how did you kind of cultivate that and build up that momentum, that confidence to do what you, what you've been able to do so far in your career? Oh man, that, that's a hard question. <laughs> but uh, even now I'm thinking about, oh gosh, you know, I have to go to the IAPA Expo this year and there's so many people there. It's yeah. <laughs> nerve wracking, but um, I would say that the the first thing is to to have the kind of career and life you want. You do sometimes have to take risks. Mm -hmm. And part of what you're going to do is uncomfortable. You're not going to always be comfortable in school, at work, or in anything else in life. And so I would say do the things that are, you know, try to cultivate the things that make you uncomfortable because you sometimes, I notice I, a lot of people do this. I was this way. You, you often want to cultivate the skills you're good at, but, but you might want to try working mm. on the things you're not as good at. So for yeah. me, um, that stuff made me nervous. I was definitely the, the old, old school term, um, called wallflower that was me like I was the you know on the side of the wall yeah. because it was scary over there yeah um, so so I get it but you want to go to those things that make you uncomfortable I know Vanessa knows this about me because we've talked about it before <laughs> but going to the etiquette dinner was one of the most nerve-wracking experiences of my life I didn't even know that people used multiple forks okay remember first gen in college not a fancy girl okay yeah. so that etiquette dinner was terrifying but I'm so glad I went to it because you'll never believe what happens in my professional career especially as a scholar I have to go to all these conferences where there are networking dinners and several forks okay so <laughs> completely worth doing the other thing um and i love duncan dixon i always talk tell this story um i told myself i would never do linkedin because that was social media and social media is scary i don't know why it would be any less scary just because the people aren't there in person i mean it's still people yeah it's scary. so he registered my linkedin account for me <laughs> okay. okay and he said no you need to do this and that's what a great mentor will do so a great mentor will push you out of the comfort zone and say mm. you need this for your professional development now i have a network of i think like over 1500 connections wow. um, and have you know had lots of great um kind of interactions on linkedin because i've done that so i really think the thing is those things that make you uncomfortable you have to try to to do your best to do them because whether we like it or not, some of those things are part of the business. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. And you just you just remotivated me to get my LinkedIn together because I'm <laughs> I'm the same way because I I like my wife started mine and I'm like okay I'm never gonna use it like I I barely even look at the thing like I probably look at it once every other year or so. But now that you said that, Doctor Baker. All right, I, I'm gonna get my link. You got, got homework it. assignment now. Yes, I do. <laughs> so, um, real quick, because I, I know we're kind of going over time, I don't, I don't want to um, keep you too long. But if you could, and I, I always love to ask this question to everyone, just because there's there's so much growth and things that you've learned over the course of your career and life in general. But if you could go back to your younger self um, during your college experience and what you've gained now, like what would you tell yourself? Um, what would you tell a young um, Dr. Carissa Baker that was mm -hmm. just kind of coming out um, and going into theme parks? What would you what would you tell her? Well, I guess the first one I would have told myself is that failure is okay. Um, so I'm the kind of person who's like super hard on myself if I mess mm -hmm. up. And I know there are probably students listening to this who are the same way. 
So I think I would have told myself that it's good that you failed, even if it was college algebra several times, um, because, <laughs> you know, weirdly, now I always tell the college algebra story. I've told that to several generations of students who say when there's this, you know, hurdle in front of you, you know, just concentrate on that, um, you know, getting over the hurdle, concentrate on the finish line, you know, try to get past that because that thing it, at the finish line is really amazing. So now I use that failure as a good story. So it, yeah, it was positive. And you know, you mess up in life. Like I said, I took the nonlinear path, you take a lot of detours, but all of those detours teach you something. Mm -hmm. So that would be my first thing. And my second thing, um, which it maybe is weird. Um, but I would tell myself to take a break, sometimes, because I was definitely like one of those, you know, like I said, working 60 hours a week, yeah. um, did not leave a lot of time for uh, not just a social life, but a life at all. And mm -hmm. I think I have a lot of students who are like me. And the other thing I would just caution thinking about this is you don't want to get burned out. Yeah. And I was lucky that that didn't happen to me, but I definitely could see that happening to several of our students. And, um, you know, because they're driving hard the way that yeah. I was. So I would say, take some you time take mental health breaks, take days off, not a lot of days off because you're yeah. working in the theme park industry. They're not going to allow you to have that many days off, but, <laughs> but take those days that you need to, to re-energize and recharge because you, you need it. That work-life balance is really hard to achieve in hospitality, mm -hmm. but, but you've got to try your best to, to give yourself at least a little time off. Absolutely. Okay. So when you hear, and I, and I quote, <laughs> She's the type of professor most students dream about learning from. What comes to mind? That was said about you. Um, so what what comes to mind when embarrassing you, me? I, <laughs> but I thought that I, I just thought that kind of like put everything together of the impact, like you know, and and to also give you your flowers too of what you've done thus far and what you're going to continue to do. But when you hear something like that, how how does that like what comes to mind? Um, well, I appreciate it. I'm always very happy when when students give me feedback. And I'll say that the thing that gives me the most joy and it's, you know, very happily, um, you know, occurred many times is the student who go who graduates and then they get this amazing position mm -hmm. in the industry. I just had a student um, who got a really great position at Dollywood and he wrote to me and said, you know, it was your employee experience class that really helped me on this path. You know, that's that's the kind of stuff that I love. Mm -hmm. um, so all I'll say if somebody told me that is, you know, love what you do. Um, I, I love teaching. I, I'm not going to say I don't enjoy doing the research piece of my career. I love that, too. Um, but my favorite thing on earth is just to try to make a difference in the lives of the students. So I'm really happy to hear that at least some of the students actually think that that's happening. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I wish we had a visual because then everyone could see how yeah. your color, <laughs> your, the color of your face just turned bright red. <laughs> but I think that goes back to that imposter syndrome that you talked about. You know, sometimes we do these great things, but then we question ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so it is great to hear something like that and, you know, say, okay, I, you know, I, I can't, I did do this, you know, and have that moment, like Cameron said, like the, the flowers, everyone needs their flowers as well. While I, I, I love the flowers, Vanessa, but I'll also say my advice to all, all students is stay humble. Yeah, yeah. true. Absolutely. True.
Absolutely. So, and so this is my last question and then we'll go into our pineapple chunks of the episode and we'll get you out of here. <laughs> okay. So you received and another just giving you flowers, but I saw this and I thought this was great that you could um, just kind of expound on this, but you received the most prestigious award of the order of the Pegasus, the highest award a student can attain at UCF. Um, so can you tell us like, what, like, were you going for that? Did you know that that was a thing? Or did you just get towards the end of it and be like, oh, I'm like, I'm pleasantly surprised that I won this. And just like, what, what does that honor mean to you? Oh, that, well, that honor means the world. So we weirdly didn't talk about this in this podcast, but I got both my master's degree and my PhD yes. from UCF. So I am a knight for life. And then now I'm in the educated here, employed here category, yes. um, which is even better, you know, working for my alma mater. So it definitely meant a lot to me because I'm like a knight for life, mm -hmm. um, but I, I'm, I'm not trying to be embarrassing, but I didn't <laughs> know that award existed until my mentor nominated it nominated oh, me for it nice. um, and then I was embarrassed that I hadn't heard of it before so it's okay <laughs> but I, I didn't know about it and when I saw what it was I was really excited to apply because you essentially you you get nominated and then it's actually the dean of the college that has to push the nomination through and mm. then you go through an interview process an application process you have to write an essay you have to do a lot of things for it Mm -hmm. um, but I was extremely honored to be um, in, in that Order of Pegasus class because it's an award that's specifically talking about, um, of, of course, things like research because I got the graduate level of the, of the award, but also university involvement and also community involvement yeah. as well as leadership. And if I could just say one thing that relates to that, um, you know, I think you should be involved with your university, of course, be a leader um, in your profession. Um, but I think community involvement is so essential. Mm -hmm. And I don't want any of us to ever forget how impactful, especially in Central Florida, that hospitality and tourism is. Yeah. And so giving back to the community, that was actually the most meaningful part of the award that they recognized me as someone who was giving back to the community. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's beautiful. Beautiful. So the fun part, <laughs> pineapple chunk. So these are quick hit questions. Um, that we will ask and then that'll be it so thank you again for for joining us on the pineapple podcast so again these are yes or no you can elaborate just a little bit but not too much dr baker don't give us the full detail of it but just <laughs> just a tad bit just a few questions here okay you ready okay okay disney or universal wait that's the first one that <laughs> yes, that's the first one i hit you with dr baker yes oh my gosh i worked at both of them right so um i uh I guess I will say Disney because it was, you know, the thing that led to my whole path. Okay. All right. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So would you ride a roller coaster, water ride, or flat rides? Like what's your favorite type of ride when you go to a theme park? So I have ridden 757 oh roller gosh. coasters. <laughs> so for research purposes. <laughs> 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 <Please. laughs> oh my god seven seven hundred and how many 57 and counting wow obviously <laughs> counting wow okay Literally. wow wow 700 guys catch up okay <laughs> so best theme park not not named universal or disney oh that one is hard but i'm gonna go europa park in germany it's amazing mm. Nice. Okay. Road trip or plane? 
does it have to be one of those? Because I'm totally the person who would choose trains, like every trains. time. I love trains. <laughs> okay, yes, I'm add kind that of in. a train okay. geek. Okay, okay, nice, nice. Okay, yeah, we'll take trains. Yes, we will. We'll insert train there. <laughs> okay, so I, I was like, uh, I know she's probably gonna choose this, but I have to because sometimes, like, you get into a theme park and you enjoy like the good and the bad of the theme park. So, would you? instantly get a fast pass or would you prefer to wait in line um, i don't think anyone prefers to wait in line but <laughs> okay see that's what i was thinking from, but being a girl from the working class i usually do wait in line well, okay okay it's like a special circumstance like i'm only going to be at the park for like two hours that i would get a fast pass, fast pass. okay yeah. all right that, that's that's why i was like okay maybe i okay got you okay <laughs> so what's your go-to food when you go to a theme park <laughs> I go to a lot of theme parks, Cameron. So. <laughs> I know. But, so what's yeah. the one, like, so is there something that you get like, okay, when I go here, I'm going mm -hmm. to get like a funnel cake or something. Okay. I'm kind of obsessed with Disney gourmet cupcakes. Not going to lie. Okay. <laughs> Disney gourmet cupcakes. I love They're it. They're really delicious. Okay. So, okay. Last one, Vanessa, do you have one you want to insert? Oh, no, go ahead. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'll just make sure. Okay. Last one, Dr. Baker. A theme park that you haven't visited yet. Okay, so that one I know for sure because I lived in China and it was it was this amazing experience, but I lived in Shanghai, so I never got to go to Beijing and Universal just opened a park in Beijing. So I would love to check that out. Okay, mm -hmm. absolutely. So I'm pretty sure they're gonna have many roller coasters over there. So by the time you get there, you'll be at 799 written <laughs> roller coasters <laughs> by that time. So okay, great. Dr. Baker, thank you so much for joining yes, the Pineapple thank Podcast. You. Thank you so much for bringing the theme park and attraction management um, bachelor's degree to life. Everything that you've done um, from undergrad and on to your professional career, like we really appreciate your time um, and everything that you're going to continue to do for the Rosen College and the industry at large. So we really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much. This has been fun. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> oh, and okay. So I'm gonna put you on the spot, and I and you can yell at me afterwards. But <laughs> we need to get our listens up, Dr. Baker for the pineapple podcast. So I don't know mm. if you give out extra credit, but have your students listen to this and it's like, Hey, what did you get from it? You know, what can be improved or whatever, or you could talk to another faculty member and be like, Hey, Cameron and Vanessa have the pineapple podcast. You explain all your mm. stuff. They have good questions. You should jump on it. Like let's, <laughs> let's start getting yeah, some people yeah. on here and get some listens and on that. Yeah, um, that, so, that's a good idea. I've got a lot of students. I'll let them know. Okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So from myself, from Vanessa Blackman yeah. to the Order of the Pegasus Award winning and the <laughs> professor that people dream about learning from, yes, Dr. Humble. Baker. <laughs> yes, from Dr. Baker, we thank you so much. And this has been another episode of the Pineapple Podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.